Does everybody know what time it is? It's time to traumatize your children. Oh, goody. It's grunt work. Grunting the hardware, grunting the store. <laughs> Went to the park to get the scoop. Grunt heads out there, cold shooting some hoops. A car pulls up. Who could it be? A fresh El Camino rolled Albert B. <laughs> he rolls down the window and he started to say, it's all about making that new episode of Grunt Work, <laughs> the only podcast about the TV show Home Improvement that steals your heart, steals your mind, but doesn't steal your stuff. Well, that's good. We're trustworthy, at least. I feel like you were cooking that one up for a while. Like, I feel like like Weird Al Yankovic is sitting opposite me, except one who's a, a, a form of Weird Al who has restrained himself purely to home improvement. And grunting, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am your host, Landon Sticky Finger Solano, joined always by my co-host, Truman Five Finger Discount Caps. <laughs> Truman, it's good to see you, buddy. It's good to see you, too. Honestly, I feel like I am not very light-fingered, but my fingers are more likely to be sticky. Uh. Just whether they're clammy or whether it's I've been eating something that is sticky. <laughs> Maybe it's uh, the the inverse nickname theory, you know, kind of like how bulking huge guys are sometimes called tiny. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Col- colorful uh, characters and such like that. <laughs> Exactly. We call this guy Sticky. He's actually not Sticky at all. He's we the call... driest guy you know. <laughs> and uh, and this this is his buddy. Um, uh, I guess Hoppy Smoothie. Smoothie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Smoothie. He loves milkshakes. <laughs> oh, it's great. Oh my goodness. Well, uh, I do want to just say at the top of the episode here um, for our non Patreon listeners who uh, already got the scoop. Um, we are recording in a kind of a special place today. Uh, a very special place to me, I, I think. <laughs> a place that you actually spend a lot of time. But, yes. Uh, we're actually in the abode of uh, one of our patrons, uh, Kirstie J. Yes, because this is what we do uh, when you're a patron. We come to your house and we record. There is no other reason, there is no other uh, situation going on between me and Kirstie that would be why we would be at her house recording. <laughs> Um, no nepotism whatsoever. No, no. Uh, but you know, when we say that a show enough gets hot in my in, in Gruntwork Studios to record, uh, we aren't kidding. You, you, uh, they almost caught on that Gruntwork Studios is your apartment. Oh, you oops, very uh-oh. artfully, you very artfully covered your tracks there. They'll never guess. Well, Gruntwork Studios lives in a it exists in a fantasy realm that you know you can enter through my apartment just like you can enter Transition Land, the Void. Uh, through the oil drum on full time. You know, Gruntwork Studios exists inside all of us, really, so long <laughs> exactly. as you believe. It comes wherever we go. Yes. Or com- comes whenever we go. No, it goes wherever we... No, you know what? Actually, let's just keep, <laughs> let's just keep rolling. <laughs> but, Kiersey, we want to thank you so much for uh, hosting us today uh, so that we don't uh, die of asphyxiation in our <laughs> normal recording space. Yeah. She's kind of a captive audience. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Uh, we appreciate it. You know, yeah. we, we thought ahead and we were very kind uh, to not bring a third microphone. So <laughs> yeah, uh, how rude that was of us. But yeah. uh, thank you so much. Uh, we know that we're intruding on your um, dinner preparation. So please go about your business as you normally would. And, uh, you know, sh- feel free to chime in if you want. Better be a good episode. Ooh. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, almost, I can almost promise you it won't be. 
<laughs> this is the the penultimate episode of the season. Yes. Um, and you know, I think we have to take that suggestion to heart because she is technically paying for us to do this. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and also paying the utility bill for all the fans we have running. <laughs> now, I will say that this penultimate episode of this season of Home Improvement, yeah. much like the penultimate episode of a season of Game of Thrones, is where some pretty big dramatic shit goes down. Yeah, it was uh, an interesting. A little episode that we had, but before we get into our personal reflections on it, uh, do you happen to have a synopsis for us? I do, in Uh, fact. Well, and the show that we're talking about, obviously, is Home Improvement. Did we not mention that? I don't think we mentioned it. And I just want to make sure that people aren't, you know, afraid. I mean, we, we pulled the wool over their eyes once. Well, I don't want yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Pretend that you know we're doing an episode of Home Improvement here and then covering Mash. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that would be Mash work. Uh, yeah, no, but I do have I do have a synopsis of this episode of Home Improvement that we watched. In case you clicked on the icon for our podcast, looked at the Home Improvement style iconography, and said, <laughs> "I don't know what I'm getting into." Wait, mashed pod tatoes. That's a much better title for a MASH podcast. Um, Synopsis. Tell me what happened. Or it would be a podcast where we talk about really good songs and show MASH and call it Bangers and MASH. So anyway, uh, this week on Home Improvement, when Al discovers an expensive Swiss Army knife missing from Harry's hardware, he brings it up with Tim, because the last people he saw admiring the knife were Tim's sons. Tim and Jill ask the boys about it, and they all deny knowing anything about the missing knife. But not long after, Tim and Jill find the knife in a pair of Mark's pants. Furious, Tim yells at Mark and calls him a good-for-nothing thief, prompting Mark to run away from home. Briefly. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, way to go on that synopsis. Thank you, Landon. Way to go on prompting me to uh, write that synopsis. I also have to mention here that I uh, I don't have my normal notes in front of me, so I, this is going to be very ad hoc. I apologize for the messiness of this, but uh, I'm I'm if memory serves me, I think Kirsty, who actually just stepped out, so she's not going to hear her own name mentioned. Yeah, uh, sponsored uh, the synopsis this week, so thank you, Kirsty, and I'll thank her again when she gets back. Yes, yeah, we will let her. We'll, we'll let her know what for. How do yeah. <laughs> Now we can talk all the shit because she's out of the room and she definitely won't listen to our podcast. Um, so this this episode of Home Improvement, yeah, that we uh, watched. It's it is one that we watched. Do you yeah. want to before we go into the personal reflections? I want to guess that title brought I, to us by John V. I was setting you up for that. I was setting you up to ask me what the title is. Thank yes. you, John V. Yeah, I have some options. Okay, for the title. Bring it to me, baby. S- sock it to me. <laughs> uh, option one: Mark the knife. Ooh, okay. When the mark bites. Uh Okay. I'm going to say you're close to the mark on that one. Oh, okay, okay. Um, uh, Knife to meet you. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Cutting edge. Interesting. Sharp objects starring Amy Adams. (laughs) You mean Rachel McAdams? Uh, no, I mean Amy Adams. Okay, good. I just wanted to throw well, that curveball. Th- th- you, you were trying. You're trying to flummox me. I was. Me. I can't remember the boys. I can remember <laughs> the names of cute actresses. I can tell them apart. Uh, Crime and Punishment. Ooh, I like that one too. The Deepest Cut. Uh huh. And To Catch a Thief. Wow. Okay. I don't know what to do with the surplus of titles. I know. Given I had a week. lot of options. A lot of knife jokes. A lot of crime jokes. <laughs> I, th- I. And here's what I'm gonna say. I think with five more minutes, you could have come to the title of this episode. I always kind of hate it when you tell me that, because then I feel like I haven't tried hard enough. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're picking up what I'm putting between the lines. Um, it is actually called A Marked Man. That 
is an A++ title. I agree. And I would not have come up with that in another five minutes. <laughs> maybe maybe 10,000 of me and 10,000 typewriters would eventually produce the collected works of all the titles in every Home Improvement episode. I have faith in you. I think you could have done it. Um, I, I would have had to have been like a situation where there was like a gun to your head and like the drug lord is like, Truman, you must come up with all the titles. <laughs> and then it's just like that meme with all the, the equations yes. floating around your head and then you say the right thing. I referenced the equations floating around the head meme very frequently. <laughs> and I'm glad that you mentioned it. Uh, this episode was released in May 9th, 1995. It is the penultimate episode of season four, which means next week is our season finale. What? I couldn't Say tell what? if you were cheering or... Uh, I am were... cheering. This season has gone on for fucking ever. It has felt really, really long. When this season started, not... I was but a wee lad. <laughs> uh, it hasn't felt like a, a slog the way that season three did, but... No. Uh, it has felt long. We've just been in it. Like, yeah. I remember when we started this season, it was before 9-11. Like, that's that's how long this season has lasted. When uh, we started this season, Bill Clinton was president. So, May, May 9th, 1995, this is directed by Pete Filsinger, not Andy Kadiff. Pete Filsinger. That's I a know. name you can set your watch to, <laughs> well, I tell this you is, what. I think, the third or fourth episode he's directed. Okay. Um, and it was written by John Vandergraaf, who uh, has also written some episodes. I don't have all of my notes in front of me like I normally do, but uh, just trust me, we have mentioned John Van... Uh, we have. No, we have. <laughs> We've mentioned him. Vandergraaf. God, I couldn't even say the name. We've mentioned him before. He's done episodes. Uh, welcome back. So Welcome back, Vander. <laughs> um, finally. How did you feel about this episode? Sir... Good sir. Wow. Put it on the table. Wow. You're just, uh, now it's like I'm being a kid. It's like, j'accuse. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, which is really uh, relevant to this episode. I felt, God, I don't know. How did I feel about this episode? Like, I thought that it was, it, certainly the subject matter was interesting. And I like yep. that they honed it in on pretty much one plot and didn't mm -hmm. try and have a bunch of subplots all over the place that don't really pay off. Um, <laughs> I Not any subtle commentary in that statement whatsoever. No, no none at all. Not at all. <laughs> I think that it was, um, yeah. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't a great episode, and it wasn't very funny. Yeah. I do think that it. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it was the the stakes of the drama were high. I found myself early on being kind of like, "Wow, I wonder which of the boys stole it, or if one of the like." I didn't really know. I didn't know in the first five minutes how it was going to end, which uh -huh. is kind of rare for me. <laughs> uh, and. So that was cool, yeah. and I guess I liked I liked that that ultimately Tim learns that he shouldn't be such a totally aggro, angry boy all the time. But uh, yeah, I, I yeah. So I don't know. I guess I guess a B in the B range for an episode. Oh, interesting. Okay. What, what did you think of this episode? Uh, I'm going to amend one of your statements. Okay. Uh, for my own, and uh, that is, it wasn't particularly funny. It was not. But I. I'm kind of a little more on the critical side than you, because mm -hmm. when it did try to be funny, it just wasn't funny. Yeah. Um, I actually preferred the moments when it was more serious than it was when it was trying to be funny. The, the serious moments were better shows of acting, I will give you yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. The, the first half of this episode with the hearing loss joke, oh, they yeah, that... could not... I mean, even in 1995, on May 9th, 1995, yes. uh, that was already a tired-ass joke, and the center in half of an episode around that particular joke just is like really you're gonna try to milk a stone 
uh, for this. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to squeeze blood out of a cow, which yeah. you can do. It's just gross. If you're <laughs> doing bad things to that cow. I think that, yeah, it, it was um, the, the hearing loss joke, the whole husband calling thing. As I, When they started, I was like, okay, well, they're not going to do this joke for very long. Oh, wow, they're fully committing to this joke it's that a, is just it's a not that one. good. Yeah. It's a real live joke. <laughs> um, yeah, I was... Um, I, I, yeah, but I don't I, I liked this... I do like the serious side of this episode. Yeah. I, there was a moment when uh, when Tim yells at Mark that I, like, I got a pang of... I, like, recoiled a little bit. I'm like, yeah. oh, I don't like that. But then I realized that I didn't like... I was empathizing yeah. and that I didn't like, you know, I was in Mark's shoes and I didn't like what was being thrown at me. And I'm like, oh, but no, that's effective. I really, yeah. enjoy, you know, uh, once I was able to break away from that and look at it objectively, I was like, oh, no, but that's that's good. That's a mark of a, a, a good performance, a good writing. mark <laughs> of a good performance? <laughs> Layers. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah, I think that... That's my golf class. Uh, that's nice. Barely audible. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought... I, I Yeah, you know, I, I think that... I'm not really going to go after Tim for yelling at Mark in this instance, because honestly, I was kind of pissed at Mark, too. Like, mm. you lied, dude. Come on. You, that, that, shit, that shit ain't okay. Well, uh, so, I, yeah. I don't do... Yeah, well, before we get into the episode, let me let me just ask, just for, yeah. for context, have you, have you ever stolen anything? No. Really? Uh, the, the, I mean, the, probably the best example is New Year's Eve 2015 going into 2016. Uh, we were, were at a bar, and my buddy John stole a fork, and so I stole a fork as well. And ever since, I've kind of thought that maybe the reason 2016 turned out the way it did was because I stole that fork. But no, <laughs> no, but no, seriously, like, I was, I was raised by, uh, you know, I was such a goody two-shoes, and the way that I was raised... I didn't even have the experience like Al's where mm-hmm. he has, you know, he recounts about stealing the cookie and how bad that was because my mom told me a story about stealing a piece of candy from a store in like 1960 <laughs> and how her mom shamed her so hard for it and made her go back to the store and forced her to apologize oh, to wow. everyone. That, yeah. And like that made such an impact on me that I just never stole anything. <laughs> I think I told you the the story on the show before uh, about stealing the little Oscar the Grouch figurine yeah. when I was five. Oh, yeah. That was, that was one thing. But that wasn't in, you know... It, I have something more appropriate to mark in this episode, which yeah. is, you know, that was just, I was, sell, you know, I was spoiled, I was selfish, and I was told no and grabbed it, you know. Yeah. But I have another incident uh, where I acted out for the same reasons that Mark was. Yeah. Well, I guess you could say when I shot those mailboxes, that was probably doing the same thing. But, but you were I was a little more then. cajoled yeah. into that rather yeah. than making the decision for myself. But And, and you were an outlaw. Let's not forget. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. By that point in my life, I was uh, running from the law. Yeah, but um, <laughs> because you got off that bus. I, I there was a moment. I'm not going to go into the full story because I haven't even told this in therapy yet. But uh, oh, geez, this is not the place. <laughs> it's a pretty traumatizing moment. But um, my grandparents. I have a huge side of the family. Uh, yeah, that just cousins galore. But uh, one of my cousins was cousins as far as the eye can see. <laughs> one of my cousins was my best friend growing up, and. Uh, my grandparents just had toys at their place, which is on a lake, kind of, you know, they didn't have kids around the house often, so it was just for us. But they had toys for us to play with whenever we came. I don't know where they came from, garage sales or whatever, but yeah. they had this remote control car, and they lived on this huge steep hill that went into a lake. And uh, uh, we were playing with it out back, and my cousin at one point said, you know, 
you know, my grandfather had all these like unfinished uh, projects on the, the lot. And um, so there's this lead pipe. I mean, mm-hmm. imagine like the quintessential clue lead pipe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's big. Yeah. Sitting out there. And uh, my cousin at one point who, you know, I can't speak to his predilections about things, but you know, he self-proclaimed back in the day said he was a pyromaniac. I don't know how much I believe that, but um, just to give you an idea of where his mind is, he's also the type that would put bottle rockets on GI Joes. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sid from Joyce. Yeah. Yeah. Not as sadistic as that, but um, he just kind of offhandedly mentioned like, Oh, I wonder what would happen if we smash the remote control car with a pipe. Um, and uh, he ended up, you know, leaving for the day, and my parents stayed later for some reason, and I was the only kid left, and just thought, you know, that for some reason that was stuck in my head, and I'm like, yeah. I wonder what would happen, and, you know, oh, oh, I wonder if I'd be cool, you know, <laughs> and I smashed the remote control car with the lead pipe right as my grandfather was oh. coming upon me, and uh, it, it just, it, like, it, he just goes, don't do that, why, don't, don't smash that remote control car. With that pipe? And, and uh... You know, he gave me kind of a, a stern lashing the way that Tim does in this episode. And then you hit him with the pipe. No witnesses. <laughs> and then I've never seen my grandfather again. <laughs> yeah. No one has. Not since Surprisingly, that's the grandfather that's still alive, <laughs> turning oh. 106. So getting hit in the head with a pipe by a child is actually, <laughs> that's the cure to the Fountain of Youth. I'm sorry. I, I jumped in on your no, story. No, no, that's all right. I mean, there, I mean, I can go into the, the emotional part of the story, which I'm not going to, but that is the incident yeah. for me that... Is more akin to this. It wasn't stealing, but it was yeah, doing you didn't, something you didn't to lie, look cool yeah. to somebody else and getting caught. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you, so you definitely empathize with Mark in this case. Yeah, yeah. You've been in those shoes. Yeah, I think that's why when Tim yelled at him, I was just like, I had that, like, uh, moment. And that's good. Like, good art does that. Like, it makes it, it calls you back to moments in your life that you've had. Excuse me, sir. Did you just call home improvement art? Yeah, I did. I'll freely call <laughs> home improvement art. I think that the second you start calling things not art is the second that you're on the wrong side of history. Okay. So, All yeah. Right. Home improvement counts as art. Oh. Pornography. Basically, everything except child pornography and <laughs> ISIS snuff films are, is art. Um, let's get into this episode. Yes. So, tool time is a TV show that exists within the world of home improvement. <laughs> it is, and we often start there yes. on the cold opens. As we do today. Yes. And uh, they are... I don't know what they're... What what are they doing starting this episode when the grunt creep kind of rocks out on the counter? The, 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 I don't know. They're just standing... Well, they're introducing this woman who's going to come out who's yeah. the... They're just introducing their guest, Deb Selby, the, the state champion at husband calling. Now, last week, we had a controversy over a character actor who was not listed in the IMDb credits. I don't know if you remember that that whole debacle. Oh, the mover. Andy the mover. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, Deb Selby is not listed in the credits of uh, Home Improvement here. So Maybe she's just Michigan's best husband caller. There's I no, looked no it up. fame that follows that. I did, a, I did a Google search. The only thing that comes up when you look up Deb Selby husband calling is Home Improvement. Okay, here's another option. Maybe this woman is in witness protection. <laughs> Okay, she loves maybe. I mean, I feel like between last week uh, where Kale came on and we talked about the, the whole behind the scenes trivia of like his wife or whoever just sent in a headshot of him and said, yeah. you know, he kind of looks like Al. Yeah. Um, it kind of has the same ring this week where it's just like, it feels like Star Search all of a sudden. <laughs> They're just bringing in weird people. Like it's David Letterman's uh, uh, segments. Yeah, know? stupid human tricks. Yeah, stupid yeah. human tricks. Uh, yeah, it's it's so home improvement has just become sort of a clearinghouse for. <laughs> it's basically a talent show. It's a community exactly. talent show. Yeah, that, it's starting to feel like that. The, before America's Got Talent, there was home improvement. <laughs> 
was that the was that the pool? Is someone in the that, pool? That is the, that is the pool. Someone's uh, in the pool. We Got we are uh, just to paint the picture for uh, for everybody. No, it's okay. You don't have to shut the windows. Yeah, yeah. We're, it's it's, it's summer fun. Uh, we we are um, recording overlooking a uh, uh, swimming pool where people are having fun and I guess listening to a live recording. This is our first live performance. Yeah, yeah. And we're not getting a great reaction from it here. And let me also, I think, because the pool is here, we have to read read the disclaimer on the sign that we can see right up my girlfriend's yeah. window. Persons having recently active diarrhea <laughs> or who have had active diarrhea within the previous two weeks are not allowed in the pool. I did not see that sign until you pointed it out. I'd also like to point out that there is currently a sign by our mailboxes saying that this is not being chlorinated, so by law this pool is shut down, so they're just waiting in that diarrhea. Oh. Oh. Well, hopefully people have been abiding by the diarrhea rule. <laughs> this is also weird because you've been living here probably a year or so, we've seen people use this pool maybe three times, and one of the three times is when there's no chlorine, like literally the least safe time to be in the pool. <laughs> Gross. Uh, uh, okay, so we're right by the Biohazard Superfund site. <laughs> yep, this is ground zero for Fallout 5. Yeah. Um, anyway, Deb Selby, husband yes. calling. Yes. I don't like her. I mean, I think she's a fine person. She seems sweet. I don't like this segment. One iota. I don't either. I don't know what it has to do with uh, tools. I don't know what it has to do with time. I it don't know what to it do has to do with... with Tim and his stupid cue cards holding up the, the quintessential wife with rolling pins and... Uh, yeah, rollers in her hair, screaming after her husband. Yeah, because she's—I guess she's won some competition for calling your husband, and they and they ask her to explain what that is, and she says, "What's well, like hog calling? It's like a hog calling contest where the hog is your husband." Now, right away, the thing about hog calling is that hogs are beasts, and yeah. if if like there's if there's some people are better at communicating with them than others, and that can be adjudicated. Husbands are people. <laughs> Husbands are flesh and blood, and but well, so are hogs. Honestly, yeah, delicious flesh. Yeah. Okay. Oh man, this is already getting problematic. I don't like that we are being put in the position where we have to justify that men are people because we're putting the the negative negativity on the woman, but really it's the men who chose to put her on the episode to paint her out to be a quintessential housewife calling out men. I'm not saying that it's like demeaning to men. I'm saying that well. A husband calling is as easy as going, hey, get over here, like, because they speak English. Like, it's not the artistry yeah. of, like, what can I say that will make this hog walk in my direction? And I'll admit, one of my big pet peeves is uh, I hate, hate uh, people calling each other from the other room. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I might have a bias going into this segment. <laughs> I'll admit that. It, yeah. just, it drives me nuts when it's just like, can't you walk five feet to just quietly say somebody's name as opposed to screaming across the house? You know, well, it, that attitude is not how you win the Michigan State uh, hog calling, con husband calling contest. I'd find never winning that trophy. And so one thing leads to another, and Tim winds up bragging that he is uh, capable of tuning out any woman's yeah. voice anytime, anywhere. If I'm watching sports and a woman's yelling at me, I can still give you the score and the, the quarter and everything else. Yeah. And so they decide to test this by bringing out a TV uh, tuned to ESPN and to well the PGA oh to the PGA which yeah. I think is stacking the odds against him a little bit uh, yeah the most boring of sports because you don't get scores that quickly on the PGA yeah the PGA is something that kind of is also the most silent of sports <laughs> you have to wait 40 minutes for the leaderboard to come back on between oh, the commercial breaks god you know more about golf than I do you you can speak it's with the me. one sport yeah. I know <laughs> uh but 
I'm sorry I called golf so boring. No, it is boring. Okay, good. To watch, because but it's great to play. I'm, I'm sorry that I said it was boring, but I'm not sorry that that is the truth, that it is boring. <laughs> so uh, they bring out a TV to test it while yeah. she hollers right there in Tim's ears, and he keeps his focus on the TV, and then they ask him, well, Tim, what's the score? And he doesn't respond. Yeah. And she says, well, sometimes my husband gets ringing in his ears, and Tim goes, you're not singing in my rear. The God first Almighty. of many, guys. The yeah, first and of many. Even before that, she she goes, "Oh, yeah, my Steve, my husband Steve is sitting out in the audience," and they cut to him and go, "Huh?" Yeah, you know, I mean, that's the level of humor we're squeezing out here. Yeah, uh, not super great. And buckling, guys, it's going to be a long I ride. I don't want to belabor this scene because it plays into the episode not at all. But you know, the the way that she's husband calling is very. Uh, what's his name? Steven? Steven! Yeah. Steven! So doing exactly hog calling. Um, maybe this is a general question I have about hog calling. How did humans arrive at knowing to do that? I, Was it trial and error? I, th- I think that's it. Humans just spent a lot of time around hogs and eventually, you know, figured out a way like, oh, the hogs don't come over when we just say, yo, get up, get up in here, hogs. Yo, get up in here, hogs. Yeah. <laughs> That's 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 what people were saying in like the 1300s before they learned proper hog calling. <laughs> I just I want to know what the alternatives before they reach the the this the effective one. <laughs> what other noises were there for them to to get hogs going? I think for they would just text them and say like you up, <laughs> and and that the hogs would always just ghost. Oh yeah yeah, we get a confounding transition. Which is saying oh, a lot, yeah. considering the transitions on this show. All they ever do is confound us. We actually take uh, Deb, the hog, the husband calling uh, and lady. She she becomes part of the transition and sings the scene out. It's yeah, weird. And she like pops into the screen from the side and, and then flies like into the void. Pit. Oh god, it's weird. Yeah, uh, but it wasn't a cartoon version of her. So now I'm wondering. If the grunt creep is the the god of transitions and the void is his realm, whether or not he can steal souls. Uh, You know, I think that's a valid thing to consider. I still think it's a cool world scenario where humans (laughs) can enter the void, but they become transitions if they have sex with a transition. Which takes us to the theme song and a note I had. Okay, about about cool world? Playing very much on what you just said. Oh, gross. Uh, You know, I talked about my theory about them being intermittent interdimensional travelers in the past uh i noticed well it became apparent to me in the theme song they're all like two-dimensional paper cutouts so i'm wondering based on what you just said have they been stolen into the void by the grunt creep oh okay and that's what it looks like in the cool world where you're a two-dimensional character yeah, maybe that that could that could well be it. It's a it's sort of a who framed Tim Taylor situation where uh, where but they're passing back and forth between the world yeah, of, yeah. of the opening credits. Except I guess Brad Pitt and Bob Hoskins have uh, some sort of special quality that allows them to keep their dimensions uh, that the Taylors don't have. I think I think Brad Pitt's special quality for maintaining his dimension was that he hadn't had sex with a cartoon. I'm sorry, I just I remember a lot of so details you think about cool all world. of the Taylor family have had sex with the cartoon. I know. Look, okay, I, I don't want to take us down this road, but if we had to guess, Tim within within 45 seconds would have had sex with the cartoon. Brad uh, within 50 seconds. Wow. Randy would have taken a day. Jill would find a really hot cartoon. Like she like whoever the hottest cartoon dude is. Johnny Bravo. Wow. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, wait, wait. Who from The Little Mermaid? Eric. Eric from The Little Mermaid. From from the actual woman in the room? That actually... Okay, that, that, <laughs> that means a lot. And honestly, Mark 
uh, it would be one of the foxes from the animated Robin Hood. <laughs> Everyone agrees. <laughs> Everyone agrees. Uh, <laughs> so, I, look, I hate that we had to go down that road, yeah. but, but we did. Uh, but I actually prefer it to the road we're about to go down, which is uh, Harry's Hardware Store. Oh, and the reason lead to Harry's. The reason I don't particularly like where we're heading is that uh, I have a new revelation. Yeah. I hate Harry. Yeah, Harry's a bad dude. He is a dick. Harry makes... Uh, he's not good. He makes a lot of sh- He makes a lot of jokes about Al's weight and Al's eating habits when he is a man who has had a heart attack because yeah. of how he poorly is he eats. No more or less rotund than Al is, and ro- and Al isn't even big. He's just built stocky. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, not, it's not even the word I'm looking for. What's the you know uh, kind of like he barrel chested? Barrel chested. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. that's Al. Yeah. No, I, I yeah. Harry is, and and then also it's like. Al is doing good business stuff. It opens and Al is is Rain Man style counting all of the nails in a box oh, of nails, God. performing uh, an, an inventory check, yeah, which is the sort of doing thing God's do. work. And yeah. then Harry comes over and asks him, "Why are you doing inventory? Yeah, why did you count all the nails?" Al gives him a logical explanation. Yeah, uh, because we're running a business and that's how you run a business. Yeah, and Harry goes, <laughs> "Fuck you! Here's a bunch of more nails in the box that you just counted." Yeah, yeah, and then Al starts counting them again, and then. Harry comes over and starts tossing out random numbers oh, to throw off his count. Really prickled my my. Uh, well, what did it prickle? No, Landon, <laughs> go on. No, you started this. I'm not going to let you walk out of this. What's prickling right now? Um, my sensitivity centers. Okay, great. Your your sensitivity centers are you, my 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 Jimmy's are rustled by this too. Uh, so as as uh, Al is being bullied by the guy whose business he invested in, yeah. Uh, Tim and the boys come in. Um, guess what, everybody? Tim still can't hear. Oh my god, he I can't was hear so thing. disappointed that they brought this joke over from the and, cold open. You know, I feel like there was a production note that's like, we need more continuity between the cold opens and continuity? the rest of the show. Continuity? Is that what you said? Continuity, yeah. I it's, would agree it's with when that. when an entire continent is nude. <laughs> what continent would you most like? I mean, I'm trying to think which is the most attractive continent. I don't want to go in those waters. Mm, no, yeah, you're right. Probably not. Let's just say Antarctica. <laughs> Because go. nothing is hotter than polar bears and researchers. Ooh. Okay. Um, Want to make a note? Brad seems to have grown uh, half a foot yeah. since the last episode. Yeah, it seems like. Seems like it's about that time uh-huh. in a boy's life. <sighs> um, so Tim is uh, wanting to get, um, what was it? I don't know. Some, a muffler, something like that. I, I know he remember. wanted to get. Uh, he, well, he want actually. Get, Randy goes up first and asks for this. They're looking for a new hacksaw blade, and so oh, to hear that coming from Randy, it's yeah. like, well, well, it broke off in someone's <laughs> skull, didn't it? And I have a note about Randy later in this episode when we get to the bedroom uh, that plays very much into the hacksaw. I've started noticing these masks that you've mentioned. Um, uh, so yeah, yeah, so they're there. Uh, it, but as Tim goes look at that, uh, the three boys are um, doting over a. Very schnazzy Swiss Army knife. It is. It is. This Swiss Army knife is thick. Two C's. <laughs> it is one of those ones that is just impractically huge. Yes. Like you could never fit it is this not, in a pocket. You need a new pocket to fit that pocket knife. You need in. a Swiss Army knife with a built-in pocket to hold that Swiss Army <laughs> knife. You know, I have a, I have an affinity for pocket knives. I don't have any. I mean, I have some, but I never carry them. Yeah. But my grandfather was really, really like pocket knife is a thing that you had to have sure. like he gave me my first pocket knife it was kind of a, a thing different grandfather than the other yeah the, uh, the story i gave you yeah but... he gave you it's like don't smash remote control cars <laughs> cut them so they never come back uh so i can kind of understand the the importance that's placed on this thing um there's kind of a weird aura about it i feel like 
yeah, you know, especially as a kid, you're kind of like, you know, I feel like Swiss Army knives were like a thing of the wars, you know, yeah. and when you're a kid, you're like, why would I need all of this stuff? Yes. Uh, there must be some explanation that my primitive child brain can't quite understand about adulthood that I'm going to need a corkscrew. Yeah, uh, at some point. Well, well, as you grow up, you do learn the the wonders and beauty of wine, and then you you actually do have need for that. Yeah, but has anyone ever tried to uncork a bottle of wine with a Swiss Army knife corkscrew? I'm certain <laughs> my parents have multiple times. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, I, I it, it is sur- surely a thing. Uh, look, I only I think my dad gave me not a Swiss Army knife, but some kind of pocket knife or something like that at some age when I was like I think in middle school, but. It was like, and I was like, thank you, Dad, this is a sweet gift, but also, like, Columbine was a few years ago, like, this is the most useless thing, I can't take this anywhere, a kid with a pocket knife, uh, you know, no, there's just, you know, it was was not a thing that I ever had much use for. Yeah, I hear that. But the kids, they are enamored with it. Oh, they love it. Specifically Brad, Randy... Also says he likes it, but I could go either way on Randy. It and it costs it costs ninety five bucks. Oh, I missed that part. Yeah, no, they're and oh. they're saying like, oh, how could we afford it? And one of them says, well, we could sell Mark. And then Randy says, where would we get the other ninety bucks? <laughs> uh, they aren't going to put their money together again like the remote control car. Uh, no, was it a remote control car that yeah. they bought? That the, 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 the was the investment remote yeah, control right, car. Yeah, right. Insane, insane <laughs> episode. Um. Anyway, while uh, while this is happening, um. Uh, Al starts to talk about how his father gave him a pocket knife when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I this is just. A, I don't. I'm trying to find context for the the line that Harry says is that it's time for Al's mid afternoon pedicure. Oh yeah, well yeah, because he because of the uh, because he had a Swiss Army knife. Oh, and it had the it had the little nail file. Yeah, nail file on it. Yeah. Was that? Oh, I don't know if that was the context or not, but um, Tim is just he can't. He, every time he pops in the scene, he just overhear something incorrectly and it's yeah like, they just drive that joke into the ground it's it's so hard it's bad i wanted a swiss army knife to kill myself so i didn't have to hear <laughs> any more of those jokes uh well the swift army knife swift army knife swift army knife it's like a swiffer uh that you use to dust your floors <laughs> no it's it, it's a 2019 swiss army knife that actually has a swiffer attached to it that would be that would be much better <laughs> um the <laughs> knife actually kills the scene as it stabs it Splits it in half and takes oh, us yeah. to tool time after dark. Yes. Our favorite time to be. Uh, yeah, it's no, it's the best time to be at tool time. It's, you know, the every, everyone's a little looser. Everyone's more relaxed, except for yeah. Al, who has a problem. Yeah. Well, Heidi asked him oh. about his hearing. It's back to normal. I just want to mention so that we're yes. not charging that joke out more. Yeah. Uh, and then Tim, uh, yeah, Al has a, a little issue that he doesn't know how to bring up to Tim. Yeah. And he says, you know, well... Tim, the pocket knife that your boys were admiring is, uh, it, it, it's not there anymore. I've searched yeah. the whole store for it. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to accuse anyone, but pocket knives just don't get up and walk away on their own. And Tim, Tim does not respond to this well. He no. doesn't respond in the way that he should, which is like, I have these three boys. They're at an awkward age. One of them has been already brought home by the cops. The other one is a serial killer. <laughs> Uh, like, like your action, like, oh shit, I'm sorry, man. Let me talk to him. It's more like, no, no, not possible. Maybe Harry stole it for the insurance money. Yeah. And so, and Al is trying to, you know, Al, God bless, says like, this is not an easy thing for me to bring up with you. And he tells a story about when he was a kid, he stole a cookie from the store. He and his mom were at the store. I was holding my mom's hand and Tim says, oh, this story's from a week ago. And then, um, 
yeah, he's Al's looking for ap- uh, his mom was looking for appetite suppressants, and yeah. uh, he ended up while she was off in another aisle, saw a cookie he really wanted, stole it, ate it, and felt guilty about it. And but I, I kind of love the simplicity of that story, though. It's just like when I was a child. I ate a cookie, and that's just that's the whole thing. He didn't even get punished. He didn't get in trouble. Nothing worse happened. He just ate a cookie. Oh my goodness! Uh, so anyway, but uh, uh, Al tells this story, and Tim resolves to go home and ask about it. And uh, so then the next scene, yeah, we get another knife transition. Yep, uh, that splits us into home, where Tim comes in while Jill is folding clothes. Tim is a little uh, hot and bothered. A little hot and bothered. He's got the vapors. I I, I have a. I, Side note to go yeah. down here. Um, granted, it's a good direction putting Jill through school and giving her more agency and doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yet we're still only seeing her making food and folding clothes. Yep. I want to see her at school. Yeah. I want to see her study. I want to see her group. I want to see her outside the home. You built a set for a hardware store. You didn't build a set <laughs> for the college she's at. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm just saying, I hope in season five that we're going to be able to explore a little more of Jill's outside world. I, yeah. I just, I'm getting sick of watching her full. I mean, it's becoming, it's a distraction for me at this point to go, oh, she's folding clothes again. Yeah. Or she's chopping carrots again. Yeah. Or she is coming home, putting down a book bag and starting to chop carrots and fold Yeah, clothes. or pick things up after people. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's a little bad. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm opposed to it. Anyway, Tim is looking all over the place. He steps outside, comes back in. Well, and, and, he, and Jill says, how was your day? And he says, it was fine. Where's the boys? And he steps outside and Jill goes, my day was fine. I went to school. I came home, started making dinner. You know, I chased after the boys. I had an affair. <laughs> I missed the affair line. Yeah. Uh, maybe this is the truth. Maybe it was with Al. <laughs> Al would never do that. I like that you just got stars in your eyes. I just, just again, I want what's best for Jill, and what's best for Jill is Al. Uh, anyway, Tim catches up Jill about uh, the story and everything that Al told him. And Jill also is incredulous. Jill, yeah. who knows even more how, how crazy these boys are. Yeah, I, I like that, you know, at least Jill feels like she's coming from, you know, a, a fair benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. place. I don't feel like she's empirical, like, no, they yeah. can't. But she's like, our boys? No. No. She doesn't feel like she's not going to be convinced, though, if, you know, evidence to the contrary rears its head. I guess that's true. She just wants to see the best in her boys. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, the uh, the boys arrive in the backyard. Uh, the Tim boys are back in. in the yard. But I don't understand why he... he Went outside and didn't see him, and then all of a sudden they're there. Uh, yeah, I know. It's like it's, <laughs> it's like weird. they had to do the incantation to summon the boys. <laughs> uh, and Brad comes in kicking a sports ball uh, in the house. Yes, come on, dude. Come on. Yeah, you're better than that. No, you're not. <laughs> uh, they line up. Uh, not in, in height order. No, not, in height order. Yeah, in height. Well, yeah. I don't know. It's they're they're all shooting in different uh, heights at these days. So I, I, I suppose. Yeah, they had, their height order changes yeah. from one episode to the at next. At least in age order. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, they. Tim kind of puts the gauntlet down, and they all deny it. Um, yeah. Though Mark is suspiciously quiet here. Yes, he is, and to the point that even, but it's like a misdirect because I'm immediately suspecting Brad, <laughs> possibly Randy, and Randy says like, "Well, you know, we know Brad's a thief. He stole, he stole Dad's hot rod magazine, all the babes on the cover, and then it was called Bevy of Betty's from Chevy," <laughs> <laughs> which. You know, that's the kind of title I would have come up with, honestly. <laughs> like, if you're asking me for the name of the... For, if, if I were in charge of coming up with names for uh, scantily clad women features in Hot Rod magazines, <laughs> which is every writer's dream, that, yeah. would, be, that would be me. Um, but 
uh, credit where credit's due, Brad does an awesome kind of, uh, Randy, like a very uh, awesome <laughs> embarrassment face and says, well, Brad stole Mom's Victoria's Secret magazine. Tim and goes, that's mine too. Yeah, which I have to say, credit where it's due, this whole bit about Tim subscribing to Victoria's Secret is, pre- is pretty funny. Like, and the fact that this goes <laughs> yeah. on for a little while, I kind of liked. Um, Much better joke than hard of hearing. Yes. And, you know, so they dismiss the boys and then uh, they go upstairs to because Jill has laundry. So they, Jill goes upstairs to take the laundry yeah. to the boys' room. Tim goes up with her. Surprisingly carrying a basket for her. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but and also, but on the way up, they're, they're still talking about the Victoria's Secret magazine. She's like, I don't know what I feel, you know, I don't know how I feel about my husband being subscribed to Victoria's Secret. And he says, I only I only subscribe for the articles, <laughs> which was really pretty good. I like good. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so upstairs, they this isn't a different scene; it's just kind of continuation. They're in, uh, which is Mark. how you know shit's going to get real when they don't <laughs> cut away at the end. It's like, uh oh, Mark and Randy's room, uh, and immediately upon entering, Tim starts invading their privacy. Yes. Now, let me just say, on the one hand, yeah, it's kind of bad for a parent. It is like on the one hand, yeah, invasion of privacy, whatever. On the other hand. Not exactly unreasonable. Like, all of these kids have given you reasons to not trust them in the past. I'm not saying that you should just go search your kid's room willy-nilly, but also... I would say, I mean, considering where Tim ends up in the next scene, I can understand where he's coming from here. But in terms of just generally going through your kid's clothes in this moment, I don't feel like there's enough evidence to warrant it. If Tim had recognized that, you know something was there and then gone, like if it was one of his own tools, then I can kind of understand it. But getting secondhand information from somebody on speculation that it was your kids and then your kids, after giving them the opportunity to come forward, don't. I feel like it's a little too preliminary for it. I realize it's a sitcom and we have to get through it, but... Uh, yeah, okay, look, it wouldn't hold up in court. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> they should have gotten a warrant. Um... I don't know. I, I it didn't it didn't upset me as much, but yeah. it's still a good fight to have. Just, just, yeah, we need just we need to have these discussions. It's <laughs> the important thing. I'm just saying, as a kid at their age, uh, there would have been more things I would have been embarrassed about beyond the thing I stole yes. of my parents finding in my my bedroom. hundred percent. But the <laughs> error has already been cleared about that. Not yeah. only that that the boys are stealing uh, lascivious magazines from Tim, but also that Tim openly has subscriptions to <laughs> to magazines full of women in bras like it's just right yeah. it's uh, it's refreshingly healthy that everyone in the taylor family is like yeah we're all jacking off whatever <laughs> like i don't know uh not maybe not healthy but just uh, oddly oddly progressive for the 90s um i just want to take a second to mention the background here oh yeah oh because it's but boys room it is chocked full of things more than the tool time set yeah absolutely or maybe the same amount just it's a smaller set but um I saw a stormtrooper helmet, which yeah. I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, but there was one item that I, I, they show it a couple times throughout the episode, and I have not been able to determine what it is. Mm-hmm. But going to your hacksaw comment, yeah, and going back to season one, do you remember Randy coming to Tim in the backyard with an empty turtle shell? Oh shit! Yeah, and he said there better not be a naked turtle running around by the river. Do you know what happens to be? hanging on the wall in the corner of the room that is cut off by the top of the frame so you can't actually make out what it is. I'm going to say a naked turtle. <laughs> what looks like a naked turtle, just like its legs and like pointy tail just hanging there. Wait, I, I, I cannot... Wait, wait the, I, was just, I was just goofing. I no, was just straight I'm being goofing. completely honest. I can't... Are you, are you There's goofing? no head or anything on it. I sense goofing. 
there's no goofing. I'm not. There's no corners. I'm not going to pull out a thing here. I'm telling you. Is there clowning? There is no clowning. Unless it's a murderous, uh, psychopathic serial killer clown. Which would be Randy. He does like the performing arts. <laughs> that is such a deep cut. That, I, I know. I can't. I can't. If it was something recognizable, I would like say, oh, no, no, it looked like that, but it was this. But I cannot tell you what it actually was. A cut of this depth. Like, that's the thing about Home Improvement is that they, they will do these things that are like laser focused at the people who are going to be making a <laughs> podcast about the show 20 years later stuff no one would have noticed yeah. then i mean that, i'm not saying it was a turtle i'm not saying that they did this intentionally i'm just saying it looked a lot like a turtle without its shell i still am not sure that i'm not being clowned right now but that's <laughs> that would be amazing if that if that is it i mean i don't know what else what other reference they'd be making with him just having a uh, naked animal hanging on his wall i guess all animals are naked the only reference I could possibly think of is uh, Carn Corner. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> now I'm being clowned. Okay. I'm just kidding. Uh, oh. I mean, we can go into Carn Corner, but th- that wasn't... Oh, okay. I, that, that was not all action. a setup. That was a real thing. I was just taking the opportunity. Great. Um, nice. Actually, while we're in Carn Corner and we're talking about clowns, I'll give you this week's... Uh, we're doing a little trivia game. Okay. So instead of putting things out to, to Richard Carn on Twitter, I'm giving you trivia and you telling me if it's true or false. A thing that I've been historically bad at. Yes. <laughs> Uh, okay, here's my bit of trivia. I Since I don't have my notes, i got to look this back up. Uh, in 1978, Richard Karn was the first graduate of clown school in Seattle, Washington, which he still participates in this day, to this day. False, because I'm certain that Seattle has a much richer and more storied history of clowning and clown education that goes back before 1978. Seattle has been there for hundreds of years, and there have been clowns for hundreds of years. But the clown school was never institutionalized until 1978. Oh, it was just like an informal, like, in the basement of a church or something. Or like like the clown school of hard knocks. Yeah. Um, I'm still saying false. You're right. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I was really scared you were going to turn around your iPad and there was going to be a picture of, of Richard Karn in clown makeup. I'm not going to put it past the fact that he may have gone to clown school at some point. I'm, I'm certain acting-y, acting-y people have a way more open relationship with clowns and clowning <laughs> than the general population. I've talked to multiple actor friends who've been like, yeah. I just really want to study clowning. <laughs> I mean, uh, I just, and I mean, when, when I mean, clowning is in the art form, not yeah, clowning right. is in the thing I suspected you of doing to me earlier. <laughs> no, I, I mean, you're talking to somebody who's uh, really good friends. One of my best friends is a professional juggler. He went to clown school. He he went to sure, you know exactly what you're talking about. So wow, uh, that world exists and it is rich of how, people. How is the student loan debt at clown college? <laughs> like, are there are like are the crying clowns crying because they're trapped under a, under a mountain of debt they can never repay? It's a monopoly mountain of debt, though. <laughs> well, it's actually it's and they're just miming the mountain that they're caught underneath. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, okay, well, that was a corner. That was a corner. Yeah. And we're going to step out of it okay. back into the episode. Good. All right. <clears throat> uh, so they're up in the room. How are we doing on this episode? Is it uh, middle of the road? Kirsty? You know, all the funniest episodes of Seinfeld, a- the audience is texting on, on the couch halfway through. Give us through. a thumbs up or down. <laughs> I didn't know I was supposed to be an no, active you don't, you don't have to be an you're, active you're the, you're the grunt work ombuds <laughs> woman. So, yeah, you just have to let us know if we're on track or not. <laughs> Yeah. Great. That's awesome. great. Awesome. Okay, good. Great. Okay, we trust that. We, we will not change a single thing. Okay. Um, 
where okay we go from tool time did we finish tool time after dark we, we finished it yeah we're yeah we're upstairs oh, in yeah. the taylor house we're home landon God, yeah, okay, what on happens the brain. in this bedroom here? Okay, what happens in this bedroom is there, Tim's kind of surreptitiously searching the room. Jill is saying, like, Tim, how dare you, you you knave. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she's talking about how her mother would always do this, uh, do that, and it made her uh, very upset. Yeah. And then she is in the process of uh, putting laundry away in uh, in one of the boys' drawers and is upset that, oh, look, Mark has put his old jeans away in the clean jeans drawer, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Clean Jeans. And as she's pulling them out, what should fall out with a hearty kathunk? Kathunk. Kathunk. Yeah. A, a, and a Batman-style uh, title <laughs> card appears on screen. Uh, a kathunk, a Swiss Army knife, falls out. The Swiss Army knife. The, the big, heavy Swiss Army knife. So heavy that it almost falls through the floor. Uh, and you're and not, you're not wrong. And Tim and Jill are both uh, vaporized. Ooh. Well, I mean, because they have the vapors. Not like there's a ray gun attachment on it, but <laughs> although the size of this pocket knife, I wouldn't be surprised. I, yeah, there, it could be anything in there. <laughs> there is a magnifying glass on it, so they, I, it could theoretically be burned from the sun. Yeah, a tiny little magnifying way. glass, which is exactly what you want. It would be like uh, Goldfinger's torture of uh, of uh, James oh. Bond, only with a tiny little mic- magnifying glass. That, that's from the uh, popular uh, Saturday morning series Goldfinger Babies. <laughs> Uh, you know, he uses his, uh, it, instead of burning James Bond, he burns ants with his little, uh, his little, um, uh, magnifying glass. Yeah. And he doesn't love gold. He loves Geld, the, the Hanukkah, uh, Hanukkah cookie candy. Geldfinger. Oh. Is Goldfinger Jewish? Well, uh, in this TED Talk, we wow, will discuss. We, this, is, this is like a free association bit. I, it, and I kind of love it. We can't even really, bl- it's actually quite nice temperature wise in this apartment. I think I'm just this dumb always now. <laughs> Kirstie's oh. now come out of the next room and is looking at me with great concern. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, that's good. It's working. <laughs> Seal of approval on the Geld joke. Um, so uh, Tim obviously is very upset about this, and yeah. you know that because we don't get a transition. We get a fade out. Yeah, that's how you know shit's getting real. Wait, <laughs> shit gets real when we stay on people walking from one set to the next set, yeah. or when we fade from one scene to the next scene. Uh, we cut to the kitchen, and Mark comes in to grab an apple. Is it the apple from the Tree of Temptation? I- Find out after the commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> well, Landon takes a drink. Uh, I think that, honestly, the I think that the apple... The, the apple was the Swiss Army knife, and the Tree of Temptation was the hardware store. And uh-huh. like, I, I, I think there was symbolism. Then who is the snake? The snake is Harry. <laughs> the snake isn't whispering into. I mean, Harry's not whispering into Mark's ear. Yeah, but Harry, Harry was creating the conditions in which this theft could occur. He never does inventory and doesn't give a rat. The snake didn't plant the tree. Okay, just, fair. I'm saying this okay. metaphor is getting mixed. Harry is God. No, wait, Wilson is God. I don't I don't know. This is the worst Bible study ever, <laughs> uh, which is not a surprise. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so they, uh, so, yeah, he comes in, he grabs the apple. Uh, Tim comes in and says, oh, what you doing eating an apple there, huh? You oh, know, I like so it contrived. even, I like it even better when, uh, when they're peeled. Do you want a knife to use it? And he pulls out the, the Swiss Army knife, knife and holds it out for Mark. And Mark goes, actually, I think I'll have a banana. <laughs> <laughs> uh bad news mark you still gotta peel a banana yeah well but you don't need a knife for that so it gets it gets you out of the squeeze that you're currently in well i don't know i use a knife to to get it started really 
I don't I don't like the the squishiness if you like don't get it on the first try. I don't like that either, but I deal with it. Yeah. I mean, Landon, maybe if you didn't use knives so much, you wouldn't cut Listen, yourself so I don't so like much. bananas in the first place, so Land- the, the, if you are asking me to eat a smushy grossness at the top of it, like, if that's going to be my first bite, no thank you. I don't want to deal with it. Okay, okay Landon. Get bananas out of my life. Uh, that's... Uh, you're you're missing out on a lot of great potassium and also a ridiculous sugar high, because the amount of natural sugars in a banana is insane. Uh, but... So, anyway, Tim comes down and starts getting on Mark's case, tells him he's basically grounded indefinitely. Yeah. Jill is immediately kind of like, whoa, hey, maybe before you dole out the punishment, maybe we should go, go talk outside. And Mark is like, I agree. <laughs> and But Tim just, like, throws her aside, completely eschews her, and, yeah. like, doubles down on his anger, explodes yep. at Mark, says, you're just nothing but a rotten little thief. Yeah. And, like, Oof. it's, you could. I just got goosebumps, Landon. <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, you know, I can f- I put myself back in that. It's the only way to get it out of myself is to put it onto others. It's, it's, like, it's like I'm in the room with Joaquin Phoenix in uh, in The Master when he's so angry that he kicks that toilet until it shatters, basically. That's <laughs> oh like what, what you are right now. Wow. Paul Thomas Anderson loves to have his characters destroy things in a bathroom. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Adam does the same thing in Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. And, I mean, in Boogie Nights... Mark Wahlberg discovers that his virility has been destroyed by cocaine use. Yeah, so kind of a different take on that. <laughs> Rule of threes, you know. So, uh, yes, but he's very angry. And he yeah. he calls Mark a dirty little thief. I think he refers to him as it at one point, even. It's kind of nasty. And mm. yeah, and then Mark up and goes running upstairs. Yeah. Uh, in Under this withering uh, hail of yelling. And Tim just continues to yell uh, as... You know, yell at his uh, dust cloud. Yeah, essentially <laughs> the 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 mark shaped hole that's been left in the wall. Yeah. Uh, and then this is where Jill just jumps in, you know, on Tim and saying, "Yo, whoa, whoa, hey, guy that I married, uh, I think <laughs> you're overreacting a little bit here." Yeah. And Tim goes, "I think you're underreacting." And Jill says, "That's not a word." Uh, no, no. She goes, uh, "I think." You're going overboard. And oh, Tim goes, good. no, I think you're going underboard. That's the one. That's the one. Uh, I think that's not a, uh, a word. Respect then, for them fitting a joke in there. That was a yeah. little bit of clever wordplay. Yeah. Uh, but I don't, I mean, Tim just starts critiquing Jill's parenting techniques here. Yeah. Saying that Jill, Jill always lets the boys off easy and that she's too nurturing on them. And that if he puts the fear of God into Mark, then he'll never do this stuff again. And not only is it egregious that he is critiquing her parenting techniques when she's the one essentially raising these kids on her own. Yeah. But he is taking exactly what he does and putting it on her shoulders. Who's the one that's always the easiest? Yeah. Tim. Yeah. Because he understands where the kids are coming from most of the time. Yeah. And lets them off. Yeah. Uh, He's the one who's always like, like, you know, not enforcing boundaries, not enforcing rules. Kids are always eating junk food with yeah. them, staying up late watching TV, going to things that they want to do. Did you get in a fight at school? How'd the other guy look? You know, yeah. that sort of shit. Yeah, exactly. So Tim is just completely in the wrong here. I, I'm, I'm willing to let it pass and that he's in a kind of an irrational state of mind through this anger, but yeah. uh, like, still fuck you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, still fuck you. I, I don't want to be clear. Like, it's not cool, Mark. It's not cool, uh, Tim yelling at Mark the way that he does, and the episode knows that, and the episode addresses yes, right, that. Right, right. I'm, I'm just gonna, but like, also, like, I, I also, I'm not, I'm not gonna go after. I'm not like saying fuck you, Tim, for yelling at Mark because no. I truthfully like were it me in that situation. God forbid, uh, God forbid having children. I mean, uh, I would like be. 
I, I would be angry. I would be very angry that A, that my kid stole and B, that my kid lied to my face about it. Like that would oh, be, yeah, that would for be sure. great. Like it's an Well, unders- that's not what we're arguing about. No, no, we're no, arguing no, about him not. critiquing Jill's parenting. That, I know. And that's out of line. I just want to go on the record and say that even though Tim behaves badly here, it's mm-hmm. like, that's an understandable and realistic reaction that Tim then atones yes, for right. and learns about. So I just want to make sure that we're giving like yeah, know. yeah, yeah. I, I, in my my effort to point out uh, all of the the shittiness, yeah, of Tim, yeah. I, I do realize there is room, and I'm glad that they are addressing something like you know having a, an overreaction to your children. I mean, yeah. that's a real interesting. Uh, uh, story to follow and yeah. i'm glad that they are uh, i wish they followed it in a better way but whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah agreed yeah. um but just in the grand scheme of the world uh, you know this is pointing out well yeah the episode knows it so i guess you're right it doesn't need to be uh pointed out well yeah I, but but your your point that uh tim is out of line to critique jill is is valid yeah, and but then that's also something somebody then, would do in real life in those moments too they would you know would transfer the anger from mark onto jill yeah but you're then, still in that state of mind but where tim goes astray is that that's not the thing he winds up apologizing for whatever that's beside the point <laughs> uh jill comes back at tim with yeah. the very valid point that tim you know, Tim lays down this huge punishment of you're grounded indefinitely, whatever, but then it's her who's going to have to be enforcing it day by day right, around the yeah. house, which is a very good point. Tim is writing checks that Jill's mouth can't cash. Tim's mouth is writing checks that Jill's fists can't cash. Wow. My brain's still tied in a knot on that one. But... And that's kind of what happens to uh, Tim at the end of this argument. <laughs> yeah, Jill runs upstairs. Uh, we don't cut scenes again. It's another no. continuous thing where she bursts into the bedroom. Um, where... Never burst into a boy's bedroom. <laughs> Just like Ellen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't take us down Jill, that road again. Jill bursts into <laughs> the bedroom uh, where Mark is crying in the bed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Jill comes to check on him and tries to tell Mark, like, a childhood story of being yelled at uh, when she was a kid. And he puts the pillow over his head. Things that the boys don't like about their mom. Her cooking, <laughs> anything in her life. Yep. Um, any story she ever tells. Opera. Yeah, uh, ever, anything that she likes. <laughs> really, they would just be, they would be just as happy if Jill did not exist. Jill has yep. the most thankless job. Uh, it's true, and if they had spent one week with Tim alone, I'm sure that they would be singing her praises. There is a Sopranos episode where Tony and his wife Carmela uh, split up for a little while, and Tony's rambunctious uh, bratty son, uh, Anthony Jr., is like, No, fuck you, Mom, I want to go live with Dad. <laughs> and then he lives with his dad for like three days, just like, No, I want Mom back. Dad is dad is irresponsible and also violent. <laughs> Really a stretch, but yeah. I feel like that would be what would happen. That that they would run that play. Yeah, on home and, and speaking of violence, uh, you know, I think even more than Tim's uh, uh, abrasive yelling, mm-hmm. uh, even more than just living in the house that uh, you know he's constructed and has all these accidents and yeah. scary things going on. I think the cruelest thing that they do to these kids, especially Randy and Mark, are make him sleep on those mattresses. Those mattresses, everything about those beds, those weird levels and like staircases and MC Escher shit. And then, yeah, yeah those those mattresses are like, I've seen prison mattresses that are nicer because yeah. I have been to numerous prisons. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's it's just awful. They're like bedrolls. They, they're about two inches thick. Uh, they seem to have no support. And when you when you think about the fact that this is a house that has... I mean, two computers in it, hot rods, multiple like <laughs> yeah, muscle right. cars lying around, sound system. Uh, yeah, they're but, just like little. They look like inflatable uh, 
rafts that you would put in a pool. It, it, they look like inflatable rafts you'd find on an airplane in an emergency situation. <laughs> They're and again, this is a family. This yeah. is uh, you know, it's only a third of your child's life. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Uh, anyway, bring us up to speed about Jill and Mark. Where do we end the scene? Uh, you know, what tone? She uh, yeah, she's just basically saying like, what you know, what you did was wrong. But if your father came, your father came down on you kind of hard, I'd be upset at somebody if somebody yelled at me like that. Randy comes in and and Jill's like, hey, can you leave us alone? I'm trying to talk to Mark. And Randy goes, well, it's my room too. And she says, well, I'm trying to tell Mark a story from child my childhood. And Randy just goes, never mind. See you later. <laughs> and I think we go from that to... We get a kite transition Wilson. to the Wilson scene. Yes. Uh, Wilson is uh, flying a Japanese kite. Yes. And Tim comes out back to ask him for some advice. Mm-hmm. Wilson explains that this Japanese kite, like some Japanese king, flew a kite on the occasion of his son's birthday. Well, happy Okahama to you. What is Tim's hang-up with the Japanese? I don't understand it. I think it was just cool in the 90s to be racist against the... Like, just to make, make you, shitty uh, comments about the Japanese. Because because Japan's economy was ascendant in the 80s and 90s, and everyone assumed say, that they yeah. were going to eclipse us, and so it was yeah, like... Yeah, do you think it's, it is kind of a, a latent pushback against the like uh the corporate takeover that was happening in america i think completely i think you can Ah. see echoes of that in the movie die hard as well um welcome to my ted talk (laughs) (laughs) my very uh, convoluted ted talk well there's the whole movie starring uh bruce willis about die hard it's called die hard (laughs) michael keaton and george went uh in gung-ho oh really yeah wait it's about the car industry being taken over by uh, Japanese. I think I, it takes place in Detroit. Okay, well, Landon, you can finish the rest of this podcast. I've just become aware of a George <laughs> Went piece of content with also Michael Keaton. Huge bonus. Uh, side note, Die Hard recast with Michael Keaton? I, I'd buy it. And, I'd watch that. And Al Powell played by George Went. I'd oh, buy that. I, I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> and Hans Gruber played by Kelsey Grammer. I'd oh, buy that oh for, for $100,000. Yes, yeah, I'm into it. I'd make that happen. Oh God, that's just that's okay. I'm sorry. I have we to, gotta leave get, to go. You know, write a in Hollywood, they do all these table reads of old movies over at the uh, uh, film center. Okay, yeah. So, cast of Cheers reading Die Hard. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> um, so, w- this Wilson scene is kind of uh, abnormal in that Tim kind of starts to ask for, for advice. I mean, he tells Wilson the problem. Wilson starts to quote Nietzsche. But then never really offers Tim a solution because uh, the boys end up uh, uh, coming back and Mark isn't with them. Yeah, so I they kind of interrupt the the whole. Thing. Yeah, like, like Tim, you know, Tim quotes his his philosophy: the stronger the punishment is, the less likely it is they'll do it again. Wilson quotes Nietzsche: the punishment often increases the feelings of estrangement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's not really a chance for yeah because the boys come back. Well. Yeah. Mark, uh, Brad and Randy come back. I caught myself, so it doesn't count. <laughs> and he asks, well, Damn, this is the jar of money is overflowing, so. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's not room in the jar anyway. <laughs> uh, but so then the boys come home. Uh, yeah. I covered this. Ellen Burstyn comes in. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Mark is not with them. They no. said he was going to meet us after school. He never showed up. Yes. And so then Tim is like, Ooh, oh, no. Oh, maybe I fucked Good. I'm up. glad that rotten little thief is gone. Yeah. They should have kept uh, David or Jacob or whoever it was before they got rid of him. Yeah. In season one. Oh, same same joke. I was going to make the same one. <laughs> Mine was going to be more along the lines of, too bad, Tim. Don't you wish you'd exchanged Mark for another kid when he lost that socket wrench of yours? 
we get a yet another knife transition, another pocket knife transition to the kitchen where Tim is on the phone um, calling around looking for Mark and no one uh, has seen him. He's calling uh, he's calling the boys at the pet shop, you know, just some of those. I guess you call them pet shop boys to ask if uh, if uh, Mark is there, but he is not. Why would you call every single place, hospitals, police station, the pet shop? Where the fuck is a pet shop? Yeah, this? has Mark shown a great affinity for animals on this show? I mean, Randy has. I mean, maybe that's he knows about. The turtle. Yeah. Um, More like call the pet cemetery and see if he's there. Uh, but why not call the hardware store? He's called every place but the hardware it seems, store. It seems like, like, like as, soon as, as soon as they can't find him, like, it seems like yeah. he's at the hardware store. This seems like the move that he would do. <laughs> so we have this one-sided conversation from Tim on the phone with this guy from the pet store. And there was a callback that I don't think we've heard probably since the second season where Tim is trying to talk to him, asking about the kid. And he goes, yeah, yeah, from the show – Right, we all love Al. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't feel like we've heard that in a while. Yeah, but no, it's it's been it's been a minute. It's yeah. been a minute. Um, Jill comes home. Tim kind of gives her the news that oh yeah, Mark's missing, mm-hmm. and she flips out and she springs into action. Yeah, she goes to work right away and immediately finds Mark by having the phone ring, and she picks <laughs> up the phone, and it's the place where Mark is calling to tell her that Mark is there. And where is that? That place is the hardware store. Uh-huh. And and she says, it's the hardware store. Mark went there to apologize. And Tim goes, that's my boy. And Jill goes, he doesn't want to leave. And Tim goes, that's right. And <laughs> no, because he's scared of you, Tim. Cookie transition. Yeah, well, co- like the screen fills with cookies and then a child's hand from off screen grabs one of them. Not unlike the child's hand that grabs the gold watch out of Christopher Walken's hand in Pulp Fiction when we're looking at it from <laughs> Bruce Willis's perspective. Uh, but here's a question about this transition. Um, are we to believe that the grunt creep can access cookies? Well, I mean, this is coming from Al's story. So that would be baby Al's hand grabbing for a cookie. Can the grunt creep, uh, display for us any moment in time as a transition? That seems within the scope of his powers. Things that the grunt, the grunt creep can do display any moment from all of history. Things the grunt creep can't do walk more than four steps without falling over... <laughs> Jump a short distance. He's so top-heavy. Things the Grunt Creep can do, uh, play with himself on live TV, sitting in a chair, you know. Um, I, this is where I am in my life right now, talking about this. Uh, (laughs) You were the first one. I I didn't even see that until you talked about it in the last episode, and you infected me with it. I understand. I, I, I take that with me always to we go to the hardware store (laughs) where al is actually uh telling mark about the cookie story yeah which again is the story is basically i ate a cookie i shouldn't have eaten and i felt bad and mark goes what's an appetite suppressant and harry goes something his mother obviously never found again excuse me while i eat all the donuts and (laughs) baby back ribs yeah and have another heart attack yeah yeah you you who actually had to go to the hospital because of your eating habits Al seems to be in perfectly fine health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Harry's is a bad dude. Uh, Tim and Jill appear. Yep, they run up the hill uh, to the hardware store. And they come in and, uh, you know, Mark turns away from them and says, Hi, Mom, and pointedly ignores uh, Tim. Al and, and Harry, well, Alan goes like, Here, we'll just be in the back room. If any customers come in, just send them to us. He takes Harry. Harry seems to like want to stay and watch this this intimate family moment, which is also odd. They go in the back. 
Yeah. And um, they start talking. Like, Tim kind of goes over to Mark and is like, apolo- starting to apologize to him. Like, yeah. I'm sorry I yelled at you. You know, I was really angry, but I shouldn't have done that. I was just very mad that you lied to me. Almost immediately, a customer comes in and says, hey, I'm looking for a mop. And that brings us to our first and only character actor corner in this episode. Oh, nice. You didn't even surprise me with it. I know. Uh, you actually surprised me because I forgot he existed. Ha-ha! <laughs> this is uh, Jay Lacopo, uh, I Lacopo. believe is how you pronounce it. Uh, he is known for being in Home Improvement. Okay. He had a uh, small role in the movie Almost Heroes, with Chris Farley and Matthew Perry. Okay. Uh, I just rewatched that recently. Yeah. Um, How does it hold up? It's a bad movie that is really funny. Uh, it is not good. I don't recommend it to anybody, but also watch it. I, I think a double feature of Almost Heroes and Wagons East. Just oh like, yes, the two last movies of two great comedians gone too soon. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, sorry. Uh, he was also in Speed 2, Cruise Control. Ooh. Um, and uh, a movie called I Killed My Lesbian Wife, Hung Her on a Meat Hook. Uh, oh, wait. No, hold on. Sorry. Let me rephrase this. Oh, I'm sorry. That was my browser history. Yeah, no. <laughs> I Killed My Lesbian Wife, Hung Her on a Meat Hook, and now I have a three-picture deal at Disney. Honestly, I think I've heard of that movie before. Yeah. I, I've, I've just seen that title and thought, what the hell? <laughs> it, it, it smacks of something that came out in the 90s. It's a, a short film. Yeah. Um, and he's in... Uh, uh, he has a special thanks for There's Something About Mary and Goodwill Hunting, which is strange. That's an odd combination of movies <laughs> to be specially thanked for. Uh, the question is, was he on General Hospital? And the answer is yes. Was he in ER? No. You are correct. Oh, thank God. He was on one hospital show. He couldn't be on both. He's also a writer. Um, oh. But I don't know that he ever writes for this show. Uh, Would so be weird character. for a for a extra to then <laughs> go on to a unionized show and be yeah. one of the writers on it. Uh, that was this week's Character Actor Corner brought to us by Spencer TK. So thank, thank you, Spencer. Thanks, Spence. Um, I don't know that he likes Spence. Thanks, Spencer. What would you... What would... I'm not going to go to that. You can edit that out. Um, this brings us back to our scene. Yes. Tim is trying to apologize. Mark is uh, still very sensitive about this. I want to give this kudos. Yeah. I think it's important in life and in depictions of parenting on, on TV and stuff to show the parents apologizing to kids. Yes. Uh, I don't think it's something that happens enough. Yeah. I know that... In my experience and in other people I know's experience, it would be nice to kind of have that humanizing moment to realize that your parents aren't superhuman or that they're not God or whatever. They're fumbling through this thing, too. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That, you know, starting each day going, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And maybe not that extreme, but yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. I think that needs to happen more often. I would agree. I would agree. Um, and, you know, and I, I think it's... I don't know. I think the apology is well handled here. I don't think yeah. that it is super i don't think it is super earned like get it like honestly i just would have had him yell at mark sooner and then have more time with mark being angry and then yeah, more time I'm to invest in the agreed. response so i mean you're talking more structural yeah stuff, structure but. structural issues but i for, for the time that they've got yeah the way they use it i think, I think it they handle it really well i mean tim explains why he acted the way he did but yeah. he admits and apologizes for overreacting mm-hmm. uh and recognizes that you know he assures mark like no i love you you're you know my son mm-hmm. uh but you know this is this is the reason why I felt this way, and I don't yeah. know. I, I really liked it. Uh, yeah. You know, what I didn't like is that 
Immediately, this guy comes in asking for a mop. Not only does Tim yell at the guy, but Jill basically hands him a mop and says, just take it, just go. So it's like, the, Al has very... A, your son has already stolen from Al's store. B, Al has very generously uh, like just cleared the space in his store to allow you to use this space to resolve your family issues. What do you do? You let someone walk out with more of his stock, <laughs> and you don't even try and like pay for it. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, that's questionable. Um, but Randy... Or, you know, Brad just says that Brad and Randy... <laughs> I was about to mention Randy. I okay. had him in clear in my head. I just uh-huh. it, was a, it was a word stumble, not a confusion. Sure, issue. sure. <laughs> Mark says that he just wanted to do it because he thought Brad and Randy would think he's cool. Mm. Um, and you know, I believe that. Yeah, because we've seen evidence to to yeah, back that up. He would do that. And if anything, I mean, I guess this is a milestone for Mark. He's traditionally not been good at lying, and he did a fairly convincing lie this time. So maybe yeah. we're just watching Mark grow up. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we literally are watching I want, Mark grow I up. want more Mark episodes. I think Mark handled this, uh, everything in this episode really well. Yeah. You mean, I like, mean, you're usually the anti-Mark uh, host of this show. <laughs> yeah, yes, of the two of us, I suppose so. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that, yeah, I mean, it was a pretty, like, the. I understand his reasoning for doing it, and mm-hmm. he did it, and then he apologized for it, and I... Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I don't have I don't have an issue with Mark in this. He was less pathetic. Like honestly, he showed more character and kind of verve in this than it, than usually he does. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I felt I felt fine about it. Mark has earned my approval here. Oh, good, good. I will not yell at him. I I hope that we get to see some more stuff of him in the future. I hope they give him you know a little more uh, weighty episodes. I'm sure he will as he gets gothier. <laughs> also weird. I we want to point this out, even though we're not to the goth phase of Mark yet. Uh, I had, I, I guess our listeners haven't uh, got this update, but I finished Frasier. Oh yes, yeah. Uh, so I'm done with Frasier now. I'm thinking we need to do one more Frasier episode. Yes. Uh, to just make a trilogy. I've always wanted to make a trilogy in my oh, of anything, even if it's it's a supplemental <laughs> podcast episode. Exactly, exactly. So yeah. we should do one more. But uh, there is an episode in a late season. I think it's it might even be season eleven, the last season, yeah. where Frederick shows up. Dresses a goth. Oh my god! Everybody's kid was going through it, huh? It, I certainly went through it. Uh, I did not. <laughs> I just looked like Mark Taylor the whole time until I looked like me. I I have very embarrassing photos. I like there are people who can't look back at old photos of them because of the fashion that they were wearing. I don't normally care. I'm like I have always dressed pretty shitty, uh, but I cannot look at those goth photos of me. Oh, it I'm is sure. Just utterly like the the fact that you're wearing so much of your inner angst on the outside of you is just like yeah yeah smacks of not getting the attention you needed or whatever yeah yeah it's the awful. self-awareness is just not present at all it. at that oh, age so embarrassing Ugh. um which is to say that i don't want to you know the people who are into that stuff they can do it with authenticity that i couldn't at the yeah. time i was doing it for the wrong reasons and teen goth is one thing growing up goth it's like no you've made this decision yeah, this right is you exactly it's a i mean choice. i could only wish to be dave navarro <laughs> at <laughs> could, that age couldn't we all yeah um anyway uh yet another fade out mm-hmm. and we come into our stinger in the bedroom where uh jill is putting away clothes and she starts to snoop as well and yeah and then randy comes in and catches her in the act well yeah uh, yeah, well, this this starts with Tim retrieving oh, yeah, Tim, t- Tim retrieving his hot t- uh, uh, hot rod magazine with Bevy babes on it. of Chevy. Yes, from under the boy's mattress, yeah. and just 
touching it, leafing through it, putting his hands all over it with no regard for what might have been happening. Uh, and then he leaves. Jill is looking around, I think because they she found that the boys had stolen one of her recipe cards to hide yes. from her. So she starts looking through Randy's desk to see what else is in there. Randy comes in and catches her. And then she does the thing that her mom did where she's got his underwear in hand and says, oh, I was just putting your underwear in your desk drawer. So if you're sitting at your desk and realize you're not wearing underwear, you won't have to walk over to the dresser and then runs out of the room. Uh, I know that Jill was covering her ass. Uh, pun, under, underwear pun, will do that, yeah. Pun not intended, but uh, I'm not going to lie. There, I, I might be able to benefit from that. Uh, just Why? You just forget to wear underwear sometimes? Well, there are times when I'm at my desk wearing gym shorts from the night you know sleeping from the night before and you know my landlord or you know a plumber or somebody uh jehovah's witness will come to the door and, <laughs> and uh, witness is something they don't want to see and I, I will oftentimes be like eh, i wish i wasn't you know going commando at the moment uh i wish i could put something more on okay but the front door is between my bedroom and my desk, so I would have to have underwear in my desk in order to accomplish this feat, so... Well, Landon, no one is... Like, you live alone, man. No one is telling you how to run your life. <laughs> I'm just saying I got something out of this. Okay, that's good. I'm glad you could learn something from Jill. Uh, this goes to the outtakes where Jill flubs a line. Yes. Or Patricia Richardson, I guess. Yeah. Um, and uh, they seem to really go off the rails. Yeah, I know. I know Tim tries to go and walk into a closet, and <laughs> script supervisor shows up on set. It's nuts. It's madness. <laughs> um, and that's our episode. Do we miss anything that you want to cover? No, I think I covered everything. Okay, it's then covered. let's go into tweet time and yes. not waste any time yeah. whatsoever. Uh, if you want to be mentioned on tweet time in the future, you can uh, always engage with us on Twitter, at GrantWorkPod. That's where we put these out. And um, this week... In light of our Patreon episode, where we play a little game called Over Under, mm -hmm. in which we go through movies that we think are overrated and movies that we think are underrated, uh, I put that out to our listeners on Twitter. Okay. And what uh, they say? I'm not on there anymore, so you have to. I'm twittering <laughs> vicariously through you. Uh, do you want me to give you my my updates on Mitch McConnell? No, no, heavens no. Uh, overrated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think he's I, I think he has lived up to exactly his reputation. <laughs> um okay. So chosen at random, uh here are three that I have picked. Uh Michael VS at MVS Union on Twitter mm -hmm. says Overrated is the Breakfast Club because it's a movie that is supposed to break stereotypes and the nerd is the only one that doesn't end up with a girl. Okay. Okay. Fair. I can understand this. Um, we've we've lived it. Yeah, I haven't watched The Breakfast Club in a mighty long time. Mm -hmm. I think I might agree with this. I it's been a while since I've watched it, as I just said. But uh, I don't know. I think I can get on board with that. Yeah. Um, do you, how do you feel about Breakfast Club? I truthfully, yeah, I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. It's weird. I love John Hughes. So like, I'm a Ferris Bueller guy, and mm -hmm. I'm a Planes, Trains guy. I've not seen uh, Breakfast Club. Interesting. It's, okay. a, it's a gaping black hole. I need to watch it. Uh, he says, underrated is Clue. Hilarious film. You know, I, I know so... I don't know. I'm surrounded by Clue heads, so it doesn't feel underrated to me. It doesn't feel overrated either. It feels appropriately rated. Was, uh, was I the first one to show you Clue at our movie night? No, a while ago? I'd seen it on Comedy Central oh, as a okay. kid. Yeah, so I know the we, it was part of. You know, sometimes we do movie nights. Yeah, or we used to in the past. And uh, 
when we were that young. Was, <laughs> that was one that we watched at a movie night, and uh, I know a lot of people in the room at that time hadn't seen it yet. Yeah, no, I mean, I was not there for that. that oh, you sounds, weren't there That for sounds that like one. a blast. Oh, I was yeah, not it was a great party time. to that. Yeah. Clue, Clue is just, I, I'd say, my top five favorite comedies of oh, all time. Damn. Apocalypse Now, underrated movie. <laughs> They're coming after you, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so thank you, Michael. Uh, let's go to Mason at Wabajack or WabaJCK on Twitter. Um, he says, since I was just reminded of it the other day, The Avengers. That movie just managed to do what many thought was impossible. Beyond that, it's a pretty middle-of-the-road summer blockbuster. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of overshadowed by all of the other Avenger movies that came after it, truthfully. It kind of just all leads up to one I do think he's referencing Endgame, though. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. I can't... I I don't want to speak for him, but... uh, Or is he talking about the Uma Thurman Jude Law movie, (laughs) The Avengers? Uh, That is Ray Fiennes. That's Ray Fiennes? Oh, man. That that leading man blockbuster uh, (laughs) career that never kicked off for him. Um... Yeah, I actually kind of would agree with this. As much as yeah. I love, I mean, I go into further thoughts about the Marvel movies and them being yeah. overrated on our uh, uh, Patreon episode, but yeah. um, I, I don't disagree with this. Yeah, I, I don't either. Uh, finally, we have Tara Lee at Pterodactyl1021 on Twitter. She says, Overrated, The Princess Bride. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, her reasoning, I didn't see this until I was about 20, and by then, so many people had told me how amazing it was. When I finally saw it, I thought, yeah, that was all right. Yeah. That, that's kind of the thing. Like, I had the benefit of watching it young, so yeah, it had a lot likewise. of meaning to me. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah. And I'm sure I'm actually on the spectrum of people who ruin it for others who haven't seen it. Uh, I do love it that much. It's, but, yeah, it's great. Um, William Goldman up in here. I realize I, I'm overly biased about it. You yeah. Know, I do have that nostalgia. The book is one of my favorite books of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I have so much love for that movie. Yeah. But I can understand, you know, as we also talk about on our Patreon episode, um, anything that's overhyped is going to feel overrated yes, by yes. the time you see it yeah it's really more overhyped than overrated is yeah. the real question yeah. she says underrated the emperor's new groove you know what i was actually going i was going to list that as one of mine really that is one of the rare disney movies that i really love and watched a lot as a yeah, kid you don't strike me as somebody who's like big into uh that kind of childhood nostalgia so like the I'm, disney films and, yeah. and whatnot but no, I mean, I love, uh, A, it's really not a musical, short of like one song at the beginning, which yeah. is pretty big for me. Uh, Eartha Kitt is hilarious. Yeah. It's got some Patrick Warburton action yeah. and John Goodman I John always Goodman, love. of course, yeah. And not to mention uh, David Spade. David Spade, yeah. yeah. At, at the height of his... Uh, Spademess. Um, tolerableness. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it peak news radio. Uh, just shoot me. Just shoot me. Oh, my bad, my bad. Wait, Dave Foley. That's, Dave Foley. Yeah, yes. sorry. Wait, he might be in that movie too, or is he in Hercules? Dave Foley. I don't know. Yeah. He's in one of those. Okay. Uh, anyway, she says, um, Emperor's New Groove seems like such a weird premise, but it works and it's so fun. Yeah. Uh, I saw this movie in the theater. Yeah. Uh, revisited it when I was a little bit older, and I, I kind of agree. I think it's a, it is an overlooked, um, one of... Disney's last, like, animated, uh, 2D... Yeah, full-on yeah. animated things. I, think, I can't remember if that came before or after Atlantis, but... Oh, Atlantis was remarkably good, too. I think that's another underrated one. Yeah. And doing, presumably, I, I don't know if this is just a 
fake news Twitter headline, but doing a live action version of Atlantis and like no one asked you, for that. Are you really at that point already? <laughs> you you are scraping the bottom of that barrel real hard. <laughs> um. Anyway, that was tweet time for this week. Uh, if you want to hear Truman and my over unders. Uh, you can start, subscribe to us on Patreon, which is Gruntwork, uh, <laughs> patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. Um, Truman, we have one last thing to cover in this episode. That is, oh, yes. The Grunt Count? Mr. Grunt Count. Yes. That's your nickname. Mr. Grunt Count? I just Count? gave it to you right now. Uh, you're covering Mr. Grunt Count? <laughs> well, the Grunt Count tonight says Mr. Wait, Grunt Wait, wait! I gotta guess. Oh, yeah, guess. I, you know what? I'm gonna go out on a very short limb, because it doesn't feel very risky, and say zero. Yep, you're correct. Goose egg. God zero dang, man. this week. Nothing to grunt about, just no. thievery. Gosh darn. Mark stole the grunts from his father's mouth. <laughs> Gross. Did anyone else grunt in this episode? No, I wasn't aware of anybody grunting, really. Hmm. Seems like grunt-free. Huh. Okay. Grunt-free. It is uh, better for you? Diet. It's diet grunk. Grunt? Grunk? Dr- no, diet grunk. <laughs> I'm pretty sure grunk is almost the name of a character in Emperor's New Groove, so <laughs> so you're, you're, you're really close. <laughs> Uh, okay, zero yet again. Yeah, better luck next week. We kids. are barreling toward the end of the season. Yes. And so you're we have one more episode for you. Can you imagine there being two hundred and seventy grunts in the next episode to get us back up to speed for? I mean, maybe. <laughs> Who knows what they'll do to us? I wouldn't I wouldn't rule out I mean, I wouldn't rule out them doing an episode that's just a close up on Tim's face and a million grunts for the entire twenty two minutes. <laughs> It's a, you know, uh, it's a very special episode where he grunts the entire theme song, both at the beginning of the episode and the end of the episode. Yeah. Then he grunts the Tool Time theme song when he's on air. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it can happen. With a little bit of elbow grease, we can make it happen. And then, and then at one point he picks up a tool and is, is totally enraptured by its power and he takes a deep breath and goes, I like this tool instead of grunting. (laughs) Um... Okay, so I don't have my notes in front of me, so I'm going to go into this outro. Just, just, just take oh, us out. Oh, the grunt count was brought to us by uh, John Smith. Thank you, John. Or John S. John, John S. Oh, boy. We don't have our notes. We don't know whose names to censor and who's not to. <laughs> Since I don't have my notes in front of me, I just want to thank all of our patrons uh, and for sponsoring us. Uh, and especially Kirsty J. Yeah, for letting us use her Yes, apartment. exactly. Uh, extra special thanks to her. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to go into this outro just... Just off the top it. of the dome. Yeah, do it. See if We've Muscle Memory sticks with me or not. Uh, if you enjoyed today's episode and want to help us create even better content, consider becoming a patron over at our Patreon. Yes. When you do that, you get access to all kinds of great content, particularly particularly, particularly our supplemental podcast, Gruntwork Nights, a <laughs> podcast about everything but the TV series Home Improvement. <laughs> You're just lulling people in. I, I know. I, I, I It's really bad now. No one is going to become a patron at this point. <laughs> But the point is, you get a lot of really good stuff yeah. if you become a Patreon. And more importantly, you help us keep the mics plugged in yes. and uh, cover server costs and all that stuff. So yeah. uh, see what we're doing over at Patreon. We really appreciate it. Uh, and you get to, to listen to um, the Over Under episode yeah. and the Fraser episodes. Yeah. And, you know, all of our episodes. Yeah. You get the entire backlog of Grunt Work Nights. You poor thing. however will you manage you can also check out the website for our regular podcast gruntwork at www.gruntworkpodcast.com oh is that ahead i don't have my notes either and i never do (laughs) if you want to help people find this show okay leave us a rating review on apple podcasts or wherever you listen to these uh little informational uh episodes that go in your earbuds yep uh and when you do that crewman tell them what they get you get a free mop that we just stone cold stole from a place and we should have learned better uh, that's a lot of mops we gotta steal if we get a lot of ratings. It's Ocean's Eleven of mops. 
the ocean is what you are mopping up. <laughs> um, if you want to find more information about today's episode, you can find that on our website, which is www.orkpodcast.com. Second time this episode. Twice in a row. Twice you nailed it. Uh, and while you're there, you can sign up for our weekly newsletter to be notified whenever a new episode is released. You can get the grunt count hints. You can get exclusive trivia. You can keep up with what else Truman and I are doing around the internet. Oh, yeah. Uh, so do that. It's a lot of fun. And uh, I think that covers our bases. I, I think, think I did the whole outro from memory. You did it, man. It's only been two years. <laughs> uh, so for grunt work, I have been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps. If you steal something small, you're a petty thief. But if you steal millions, you're a listener of Grunt Work. <laughs> Good night, you sweet criminal.